Welcome to the Codifier Podcast. Codifier is a podcast about breaking down emerging trends and technologies into bite-sized chunks for everyone, from software developers to sales gurus to even your grandparents, so that they can stay clued in and techno-savvy in today's ever-changing world. Well, hello again. I feel like I'm always apologizing. I went another month and I missed a podcast again, but I have a, another exciting and, I don't know, it's my own fault kind of reason. I have left my current job working at Synopsys, not because there's anything wrong with my current job, but because I'm joining a very exciting startup. So I might have new topics to expand upon on later podcasts because of that. But as it is, it's been, yeah, an adventure over the past month or so, trying to sort all that out and plan and, and leave and get counteroffered and, and whatever. But yeah, it's, it's, I'm on a little bit of an adventure. I'm about to go on holiday down in Cornwall, do some surfing, but generally, hmm, interesting things ahead. But first, let's get down to it. Episode 15 of Codifier, our devices listening, or is that a question? Are devices listening? I looked into this and the answer is uh, yes. Um, so, well, there's always, I guess there's always a simple answer to these, these technical questions. Uh, breaking it down to the basics, pretty much all of our devices are listening, uh, particularly the ones that where we've enabled Siri or Google or Alexa uh, to respond to a trigger command like, hey, Siri. Uh, now I've got to look at my phone and make sure I turn Siri off before doing this podcast. Uh, but yeah, such that they can present us, in the case of Siri, with a spooky HAL 9000-ish blob to indicate that it's listening, because uh, honestly, it wasn't before and then perform our technological bidding. Some things, though, can go wrong. But the design itself, let alone, you know, any efforts on listening in, and we'll maybe come to that later. For example, and I will start with, May 2018, poor Danielle from Seattle, ironically, the home of Amazon, found that a conversation she was having was recorded and sent to one of her contacts. Now I realize that sounds a little dodge, but essentially what happened was the Amazon Echo woke up because it heard something that sounded like Alexa. Like, I don't know, maybe her daughter's name is Alexa. Now I don't know, I don't know if that's the case. I mean, it does seem odd that Alexa is the trigger word. It's a pretty common normal name. But anyway, yeah, I don't, I don't think I would have made that the thing to wake up my artificial intelligence slave toy. But anyway, a series of unfortunate misunderstandings followed, where Alexa misheard send message request and then answers to the questions Echo was posing out loud to indicate a contact and confirmation of the command happened. It seems unlikely, but if you're having a conversation and Alexa is just eavesdropping waiting for a word that sounds like anything phonetically similar to your anything in your contact list, there's a good chance it'll hear what it wants to hear. Confirmation words like right or perhaps yes, anything positive sounding are certainly going to be part of normal speech. And normally the device is assuming because it heard Alexa that you're talking to it. So it's not probably that stringent at this point. Now, I think the real issue here was the activation word. Devices have to assume they are involved in that conversation if they have been directly summoned, even if inadvertently. 
But poor Danielle, she told KIRO-TV that she felt invaded and said she's never plugging that device in again because she can't trust it. It's a robot, Danielle. I mean, to quote Kyle Reese in The Terminator, it can't be bargained with. It can't be reasoned with. It doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear and absolutely will not stop, ever, until it has ordered you a taxi and played some soft jazz. If you're paying attention to the different activations, you might notice that all of those words or phrases are three syllables, or even more. Alexa, hey Siri, okay Google, are just a few, and there is a reason for this. There was a paper released in August last year called Skill Squatting Attacks on Amazon Alexa from the University of Illinois. It's a somewhat technical read, but the highlights are actually pretty fascinating independent of what an actual skill squat is. Now, I'll define that as well. What is skill squatting? Well, in the paper, it starts with an analysis of misinterpretations in Amazon Alexa to consider how an adversary would leverage these systematic interpretation errors. So then you need to understand what is a skill. If you don't have an Amazon Alexa, that that is a phrase unique to that. Think of a, a skill as like an app on your phone that response to voice input. So an example would be lift. I mean, that's already confusing because that's a word and a brand uh, and is a competitor to Uber if you don't know it. L-Y-F-T is the spelling and that's already a good example. Their Alexa skill allows you to say, Alexa, ask Lyft for a ride. You can already see the confusion because you might say ask Lyft for a lift and that would go potentially badly. It will use the skill to tell you where the nearest driver is much like an app would do visually. The art of skill squatting is the study of dialect and the associated phonemes. I hope hope I'm saying that right. Phonemes? Phonemes? You know, P-H-O-N-E-M-E-S. They're essentially the bits that make up pronunciation. I mean, one particular example I noticed is something I have a bit of fun with my wife about. She's British, I'm Canadian, I noticed one day that the two words source, as in, what's the source of the noise? And sauce, mmm, a delicious mushroom sauce, to her, sound the same. When she says them, the source of the sauce sounds like... The source of the sauce? And you see, what you don't realize is that I got her to read the sauce of the source there. And it's exactly the same. It could be sauce of the sauce, sauce of the sauce. It's a great Amazon skill squat kind of moment. Now, that is the problem with single syllable words. As part of the study, they analyzed and quantified a dictionary of words ranging in complexity. Words like dandelion, forecast, serenade had almost a 100% accuracy rate in how the speech recognition interpreted those words. Single syllable words, however, like Bean, and like a coffee bean. Calm, like C-L-A-M, and call, or coal, if I can say it right, had 0% accuracy. Coal, as in like a coal miner, is one they singled out as specifically troubling. If you have a skill designed to call somebody, the wrong accent, or specifically a British accent, once again, the word would sound like call. 
which could be interpreted as C-O-A-L. And a skill associated with that word could squat on your Alexa to reroute your request to a malicious entity. Hey, hey, welcome to Halftime at episode 15, Our Device is Listening. And thanks for being patient as the Codifier podcast frequency has been greatly reduced this season. I will do my best to continue throughout summer to get the right numbers out, and I appreciate anybody who's continuing to listen in. Uh, I would encourage you to try and share the episodes we've got, particularly because this is episode 15. There are lots of back episodes that you may have missed. There's a few on cryptocurrencies. There's a few on passwords and privacy and relating to GDPR regulations. There's a lot of interesting tech stuff there. Self-driving cars. Hey, if you haven't listened to that one, that's a real doozy. So please dive into the, uh, the back catalog and share them with your friends. Put it on your Facebook. Put it on your LinkedIn uh, yeah, get the word out there. Why not follow on Twitter? Um, if you have suggestions, and I do, I do get suggestions amazingly every now and then via the Facebook. Facebook uh, handle is facebook.com slash codifier, C-O-D, uh, wow, C-O-D-I-F-Y-R-E. There's a good skill squat. And um, yeah, on Twitter, same handle. So thanks very much for listening. I'll try and be more frequent in the future. Back to the show. Now, the study that I, I, I read and I'm referring to actually only used North American accents. There are enough variations just in North America for them to pick up variations in accent and dialect that allowed them to provide all sorts of interesting examples like boil an egg versus B-O-Y-L-E. There's lots of uh, full moon versus four moon, F-O-U-R. Four and full? There's a dialect where that sounds the same? I don't know. Like, there's a lot of interesting, interesting examples. Test your luck versus test your lock, like your, your pad, padlock. Lots of those were, that got really confused. Now, I don't know what those are, but it really comes down to, in that case, to homonyms, or I guess, to be more precise, homophones, or words that sound alike. Speech recognition is getting better at working out known homophones, but can struggle at ones which are derived from changes in dialect or regional pronunciation. So, hopefully, Danielle can understand, if she were listening to this podcast, how jumping headfirst into speech recognition-based laziness might currently backfire. Now, down to the major question. Are these devices listening to us when we haven't summoned up our digital butler? Well, if you imagine that the device actually does need to be listening in a sort of standby mode such that it can activate to do our bidding, you can imagine kind of it is listening. Imagine it like a real butler who is standing around all the time while you're discuss discussing all of your personal feelings with your partner, perhaps a holiday with friends or, you know, singing into your hairbrush at full volume. So imagine it even worse than just a single butler. Imagine an army of electronic butlers and servants, Downton Abbey style, all of which know far more about you than you may acknowledge. 
apps like Facebook, for example, have access potentially to this, what they call non-triggered data. Like, do you ever find it odd that your phone suggests adding things to your calendar just based on stuff that showed up in your email? We don't seem to think of that as an intrusion, but more of a convenience, right? So imagine that there's a lot of data sharing on your phone that you may not realize is actually happening. Of course, Facebook denies this. Google are a bit more open about it. Um, there was a Vice article by Sam Nichols on June 4th last year in which this was put to a test. Now, the author Sam repeated some phrases near the phone for almost a week, like, I'm thinking about going back to uni in addition to, I need some cheap shirts for work. Those were the examples that were in the article. Um, they seem pretty obvious potential for advertising triggers. Uh, if you'd written that into one of your statuses, you can bet you'd start seeing related adverts, right? Um, for him, he started seeing adverts for university courses almost the next day. A further conversation about running out of data started to result in 20 gig data plan adverts as well. Now, I realize he's not the only person who's done this. If you search online, you'll find videos where people are trying to activate advertising to investigate this. One particular one I, I found, and, and I'm not surprised it didn't work, is that he was trying to see if they would advertise baby stuff because he kept saying crib into the phone. Now, if you remember what we just talked about, that's not a phrase. It's not complex. It's a single syllable word. So there's a very good chance the phone had no idea what he was actually saying and wasn't even getting crib out of that or any kind of context. So that actually was a pretty bad experiment if you if you read the way the skill scoring article goes. But what Sam was doing actually makes more sense. He was saying complex things all in a row on repeat that have actual meaning. So the experiment seemed to prove that if this was Downton Abbey, our servants would be conveniently erecting pop-up marmalade shops as we were leaving the estate to buy marmalade, or perhaps a discount waistcoat and top hat combination just prior to that approaching social we were talking about. So, you know, um, I will admit, to, but just in case that sounds ridiculous to have never watched Downton Abbey, but you get the idea. So far, the general consensus seems to be that just like our Facebook status, photos, websites, places we visit, general online existence, which has already given up such a clear profile of our existence, there's a possibility that triggering conversations complex enough near the phone are also feeding the machine. Keep in mind, though, it's probably only really clear words based on the study mentioned at the beginning of this, words like gigabit, holiday, university. These are clear and accurate and will probably be reflected in tailored advertising, if not now, possibly in the future. How do we avoid this? Do we? Do we actually care? The phone isn't listening in a way that is malicious. It's listening in a way that it can make money off of us directly. In fact, I used to work for a startup back in the early 2000s that was basically doing the same thing on an enterprise scale. It was designed to trigger off words that were, you know, things, things more military, like more terrorism related, and start recording conversations. Now, um, yeah, so if you're wondering if that technology actually exists at scale while you're having normal conversations, just just accept that it does, because that was quite a long time ago, and I'm guessing it's 
considerably more advanced, I wouldn't be worrying about Siri or Alexa listening in. It's definitely more advertising-based, if it's happening at all. And considering that it's already making mistakes about basic conversation like poor Danielle from uh, Seattle, it's not actually all that great yet. However, trends with new technology can be abused and are being abused. That's the point. It's a slippery slope. And with every form of new technology, there often becomes later regulation. So there's every possibility that should any kind of abuse or negligence surround the activities of voice recognition, rules will be created to prevent or control it. Until then, at least know more about where you stand, which is if you want the perks of technology like smartphones and the internet and social media, remember that, and we've said this so many times before, you are the product being sold to the advertisers with whom we have a symbiotic relationship. You need stuff. Companies with stuff need you. In closing, I'd like you to consider the context of what it would be like without such personally specific advertising. Just try watching normal television. Not Netflix or streaming service or whatever. Watch normal TV with advertising and try and figure out how many of those adverts you actually care about. It's so noticeably off-target sometimes in comparison with what you see in Facebook and Google adverts, it almost makes you wonder why anybody still pays for that kind of advertising. And also remember, every time you try a piece of new technology, no matter how cool it is and how convenient it seems to make things, it's probably new and it can go wrong. I don't care if it's a toaster or a Wi-Fi fridge, or a electronic uh, AI butler. Remember that if you're an early adopter, uh, prepare to get your geek on and expect weird things to happen. Okay, I've been your host, Steve Jaguer. Thanks for listening to Codifier episode 15. Our device is listening. Catch you next time.